Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Let's read the word of the Lord. This is Revelations chapter 3 and verse 8. It says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. Somebody say amen to that. No man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength. Sometimes I just like to stop there and just ruminate on the fact that when I have little strength, there's still an open door. Someone said amen to that. And has kept my word, and has not denied my name. Anybody ever have a moment, a little strength, where you just put the name of Jesus on your lips so you didn't have to deny him? You said, I don't know what's going on, but I still have Jesus. We believe if you find Jesus here, you find life. And I want to celebrate with you for just a few moments through the word of God and preach to you about doors of decision. Doors of decision. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so grateful that we can be in your house today. So grateful that we can celebrate what you are to us. We celebrate it publicly. We celebrate it personally. But today we've lifted our hands to let everybody know that Jesus is in our life and he's making a difference. Thank you for being our doorway. We ask you to be the path in this moment to give us your word and let it be sown into our lives to help us, strengthen us, and to bring faith from the hearing of the word. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team, for all that you did for us today to lead us in worship. Aren't they doing fantastic? Just a tremendous job, all the behind-the-scenes stuff. If you haven't stepped into the kids' life room, you need to. It looks amazing. Tell Sister Elizabeth and Sister Tina how great you pre- how much you appreciate them and how great a job they're doing. Amen. And uh, Sister Debbie, would you stand real quick? Sister Debbie, and obviously our, <laughs> our Leah doesn't want me to pick her out, but they prepared lunches today for, for class. Would you give them a hand? Thank you, guys. We just want to honor you. Amen. Amen. When I get done today, we're going to have post-it notes all over the altar, and what I want to do for our altar call today is I want you to consider while I'm talking today a door that you feel God needs to open in your life. And when we get done, I'd like you to write what that thing is, and we're going to put it on this door, and we're going to pray over it, and we're going to ask God to open that door for you. Amen? As we finish this series. So when we get done, don't run out. If you have to rush off to another schedule, I understand if you work today, later, but please make sure you think about or ponder over what could God do for me right now? What do I need God to answer and do right now? And put that on a post-it note. We're going to hit that at our next prayer service as well. We're going to keep all these off of this door. This is my closet door, by the way. (laughs) So I do need to take it home, but... uh, We're going to hit that, and we're going to pray for that, and we're going to spend some time with the Lord and ask God to hear your prayers. Amen? All right. So today I want to open with just an understanding that the Lord is the door opener. Amen? And when he opens a door, no man can shut it. We realize that when God opens a door, we have to have faith to go through it. And when we walk through it, we're going to encounter a new level of attack. That with every new level, there's a new devil. You've heard that, that saying, correct? 
And sometimes when we walk through a door and we experience the difficulties of those new decisions, we want to walk back through that door and go back to the comfort zone we've lived in. And sometimes when we effort out or we do something that's for the Lord or, or for a new place in life or a new success in our life, we encounter the struggle. And when we encounter the struggle, we will go back to our last success because we get some help for our self-esteem in the places where we used to succeed. So we have a tendency to walk through a door and then walk back through it. Walk through a door and then walk back through it and not stay in the new place where God needs us. How many know that there is no success when you always have a plan B? If you always have a backup plan, I mean, you need to literally burn the boats at times. You need to step in through the door that you see that God is opened. And no matter how difficult the fight, no how difficult, I don't care how hard the struggle, you need to stand your ground and be fully armored with the armor of the Lord. In other words, you need to suit up every day because the doors that may open for you today might have a next level struggle. And if that next level struggle comes, you have to be prepared in advance. So you need to put on the whole armor of God. Somebody knows how I'm preaching right now in Ephesians 6. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand. Amen. It's not talking about that you might be able to just to fight and to excel and to move forward. But the Bible says that the armor of God is literally so that you can stand. When you walk through the door, you need to be able to stand on the other side of that opportunity and say, no, it's mine. I'm going to claim it. I'm going to live it before I even have it. I'm going to put faith in it. I'm going to live like I'm there before I get there. How many know what I'm talking about? That when you walk through a door of opportunity, that you have to pretend like you've been here before. Like you know what it's like to live in this kind of success. And this is just another day in my struggle, but I'm going to fight the good fight. I'm going to do what it takes to stand here fully prepared, fully pursuing, fully praying, fully purposed. I'm going to do everything that I can to walk with God where he leads me and if he leads me to a struggle I'm going to put his name on my lips and I'm going to start fighting him I feel like preaching today so if you wonder why I'm yelling I come from Pentecost so I'm going to get a little bit red and a little bit excited so just go with me today enjoy yourself I'm not yelling at you if I look at you I'm not preaching right at you I'm preaching to the church of the mighty God and the church of the mighty God is a moving powerful on fire lit force that it will not stop and you are not meant to be stagnant you are not meant to stay where you are if you stay where you are, you're not living a God-filled life because God wants you taking that next door God wants you ready to go into the places he has called for you. In the book of Acts, we understand that the Bible tells us that if we are to be saved, the Bible wants us to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in Acts 2.38, for the remission of your sins. Baptism has a purpose. It remits sins. It balances out the ledger. It takes away your sin and applies God's blood to your life, his protection and his new life. So your remission is 
important because you need to put away the old man, put away the old things. You need to step through the door that God has provided you called salvation. And salvation is the greatest door you could ever have open to you. It's the greatest door you could ever walk through. It's the most powerful thing that can ever happen in your life because it does not determine whether your economic situation changes, but it does determine your outlook on your economic situation. You can have a beat up junker. You can literally drive up in a hoopty. Hello, somebody. And you can be joyful. You can get out smiling. You can shut the door. I mean, it can be falling off the hinges and you're like lifting it to close it. Some of you have to go through the window and like push your car to get it. Go. You know what I'm talking about, but you're saved and you're sanctified and you're happy and you're at the house of God and you're learning the word and you're living your life with every bit of potential, God potential, not just your strong will, but God. God's will unleashed in your life where no man can stop the potential that's pulsing through your life. You don't know what it's like to step in front of a person on fire and full of potential of the Holy Ghost. You don't know what it's like to put a roadblock in front of somebody who's on their mission of life because they will find a way around it. They will go around it. They will tunnel. They will go over it. You can't stop somebody who's on mission and driven. So the first and greatest thing you need to do is walk through a door of salvation because no matter what happens in your life, you know you have a place prepared for you. Whether life is long or life is short, whether life is good or life is struggle, you have a place to better to go to. Amen? Grandma used to say, keep your fork, the best is yet to come, and I'm thankful for it. Because one day there's going to be one door open. And we're going to walk through it with great joy and great happiness. Amen? the door of heaven, and there is going to be a great day of celebration. So you've got to live on purpose, but you have to be saved. You've got to get it right. You've got to look into the Word of God. So Acts 2.38, they put it up there for me, and I'm thankful for the media team. Give them a big hand for helping me. It said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's where we stop. Now let's go on. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you. Uh, is the people in the Bible? Yes. But the promise is unto you as well. Because he says, and to your children. Well, the children of the people in the Bible? Yes. But to your children too. And to all that are far off. Everybody say, that's me. We're far off from the situation that we're reading about in the book of Acts. But wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Just in case we missed you. <laughs> just in case you think that's not you. That's all just old Bible. Here we go. This is God speaking through the man of God. He said, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. How many know that God knew you, Jeremiah, in the womb? He knew you. He sang over you before you even were the glimmer in your dad's eye or whether the world tells you you were the mistake that happened. You are not a mistake. You are a masterpiece of God. You are the Holy One's hand of purpose and you do have a reason to be here. You do have a hope of salvation. Amen, somebody. You do have a reason and a purpose. And that's the thing that I want to an answer first is, is you have to answer and go through the door of purpose in your life. You have to find, and I'm grateful for first steps because this is where we're finding purpose. Someone say amen to that. I did the personality study myself last week and I turned out 99.5% pastor. 
I think that's I think that's gonna work out. <laughs> I think we're doing all right. I don't know what the other five percent. That's probably the crazy in me, you know. Like those are the people I hang out with. That other five percent find my crazy and hang out with them. Yeah, those people. But you got to go through a door of purpose. You have to find out. You have to pursue, and you have to prepare, so that you know that you are in the gifting of God and you are using it for His kingdom. There's nothing more beautiful than actually being led by God to something and then actually finding out that you are purposely in that position. I, per- I, I personally am, am I'm intentional. I, I get that. I, I have intentional places. But when some people look at my life, they're like, what in the world <laughs> is he doing? But when I get there, it's obvious that I was planning to be there. And that's what God has done for me. I spent quite a few years walking through different things that I needed to get through, going to Bible college, things like that, where I was like, I don't even know what I'm going to do when I'm out of here, but I feel a call of God on my life. I, I had a mom that played piano on the right side of the platform, and she played it for years. And I would just go up, and I would pray right there by her feet, and she would be playing piano for the altar call and I remember the moment the Lord called me into ministry excuse the personal moment but I literally was praying and I felt like time stop and I felt a tear drop off my face and hit you remember when churches were full of red carpet they had red carpet everywhere you remember that everything had to be red I don't know what the deal was the blood of Jesus on everything you know I don't know what that but I remember because this tear hit the step and it just stained it with one spot. And I remember that tear and that moment was when God called me to minister and to preach. And I didn't have the education. And Lord knows, maybe I still don't have the education. But if you come here today, you're not going to leave without faith. Because what I learned is that I have the ability to engender the, the, the power of God works through me to, to produce faith in people. And if I can produce faith, he can walk you to your purpose. And if I can teach you how to be excited about what God is doing for you and excited for where God has brought you from and excited about where God is taking you to, I can encourage you and I can instruct you toward and I can point you and say, this is the way you should go. Walk you there in it. Go, Go after your purpose with everything in you and you will find it. If I get you full of faith, God will take care of fulfilling your life. Amen? So you come here today, and I'm glad you're visiting, but I don't believe that it's an accident that you're here. I believe that every person in this room is here for a reason, and your purpose, if you haven't found it, is about to fall on you. I believe that under the sound of my voice, I pray it over you in Jesus' name. Are you living a spirit-led life? Are you living a spirit-led life because you need a spirit-led life? When the door closes, I want to make sure that I'm a conduit looking for the next door for somebody. Amen? When I see struggle in somebody's life, I want to open up a door of prayer. You not only need purpose in your life, but you need to have a door of prayer. Everybody say prayer. The Bible tells us that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. They're going to help me with this because in John 14, 6, we see several stories. And I, I have quite a bit of notes here, but I think I'm going to tailor it down because um, I'm hungry. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I want some lunch. <laughs> Preachers get hungry too. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Everyone say he's the way. Everyone say he's the truth. Everyone say he's the life. This is Jesus that said this. So we're not pursuing religion. We're pursuing relationship in the one who is the way, the one who is the truth, and the one who is the life. I don't need five doctorates to be able to stand here and tell you what truth is. I can just point to Jesus. 
I can just say, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have all truth. And you need all truth in your life because the Bible tells us it's the truth that leads us and guides us. Those that have truth, the Bible also tells us that we should buy it and sell it not, Proverbs 23. 23. Look at this scripture. They're going to throw it up there for me. There you go. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Buy the truth. That's Jesus. Can I insert Jesus right there? Is that okay? In a proverb, we can put Jesus. He's, he was God of the Old Testament, right? Buy Jesus and sell him not. Amen. But also get wisdom and instruction and understanding. Some people buy Jesus and then never go any further. They can't pray their way out of wet paper bag, but they sure know Jesus. They don't know how to help themselves with any kind of mental issues. They don't know how to help themselves with some of their physical issues. They don't know how to train themselves into, into further understanding of how to live a better life, but they've got Jesus. I'm not talking about that lifestyle. I'm talking about having Jesus in your life and then going on through other doorways, including doorways of wisdom, doorways of instruction, and doorways of understanding, amen? But you may not go through those doors. You may not have the strength to go through those doors unless you first have stopped at a door of prayer. The prayer is what gives you the power to walk through places of wisdom, places of instruction, and places, help me out, team. Don't take my worst verse away. Oh, my. Oh, my. And places of understanding. Some of us need so much prayer, including the media team right now. <laughs> we love you guys. A little bit. Not, you're doing great. So we need to pray. We need to have a burden of prayer. We need to get up in the mornings and, and say, Lord, this is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to thank you. I'm going to put good things on my lips. I'm not going to complain my way through this day, but I am going to compliment my God who makes a good day. My God who knows how to make a good day for me. Amen, somebody. And then you make a difference out of that attitude. You make a difference by seeking that wisdom and instruction from him first, by going to the Lord. And whether you call it meditation or whatever you want to call it, you need a place where you center. And the best place to center is on the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ. And so I invite him into my day every day because I celebrate him. And if you start to celebrate the Lord in prayer, you will start to live out the Lord's life in front of everybody else. Literally, you will have joy in places you shouldn't have it. You'll have happiness when you should be sad. You'll stay longer and do more and be more successful in places where other people give up. I know that's my message. I know that's what I like to talk about. But let me tell you what God loves. God loves a worshiper, amen? God loves somebody who has a, has a good word on their lips, who has the ability to stand in the presence of difficult moments and say, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Though I go through difficult times, I want to lift up the Lord because even if I fall seven times, I'm going to get back up again. I have a get up spirit and I have a get to God spirit and I want to live my life with a I can do all things through Christ kind of spirit. Because it changes how I receive my wisdom, and it changes how I see, receive my instruction, and it changes how I receive my understanding. My prayer life not only changes who I am, but keeps me on my purpose and keeps me in the knowledge of what God wants me to have. 
So I write poems and I write love letters and I sing songs on Sunday and I come and I worship him when I don't even feel good. Even when my body doesn't even feel good, I still got a praise on my lips and in my heart. We learned about that in this series, that our praise has power and our praise has strength. Do you remember what David said? He said, the Lord is my shield and my buckler. You know what that means? The Lord is my protector and he holds all my weapons. I, I want you to know that I don't have to know what's coming at me every single day, but when I get up in the morning and I pray, and when I get up in the morning and I just praise the Lord for a minute in my little worship room or in my closet or in my place of quiet time, I am literally saying, Lord, you are my protector today and you are going to hand me every single instrument of warfare that I need. In fact, I trust you so much that you're going to fight my battles for me. And I believe that that is the God who hears prayers and responds because he loves to hear us worship him. He doesn't have to have praise and worship, but he sure loves whenever his creation worships him and praises him and returns breath of praise when he's given it. Amen? Every breath belongs to him. So I choose to build the Lord's house. And I was reading in, about David this week. David was a man after God's own heart. Do you guys know that? David was a man after God's own heart. In other words, David had the, gone through the doorway of pursuit. That's the last thing. You guys are doing good. We're almost done with this sermon. You guys are doing fantastic. Give yourself a hand. Look at you. So, such an encouraging pastor I am. I mean, have you clapping for yourself and leaving here all promoted and excited and all of my things are written out. All my points have a P to them. Do you notice that? I mean, the intention here is amazing. Um, I'm just taking a moment just to tell, tell you that I have not always been a person that understood the pursuit of God, but when I began to read about David, a boy who is in, in, in a situation that he shouldn't be in because he was supposed to stay out with the sheep while the prophet came and anointed a new king at his house. And they didn't even invite him to the party. But when, was it Samuel? When Samuel showed up, he started to get ready to anoint a new king. And he's looking at their physical structure. And he's looking at how they carry themselves. And they look so kingly. And he gets all the way through. And God's like, nope, no, no, not, no, uh-uh. And he gets to the last son, and God says no, and he turns to Jesse and says, you got any more of these? <laughs> any rugrats running around or something? I'm, I'm not hearing from the Lord for a new king. And so he's like, well, there's this one, but he's a mess. He's out with the sheep, probably got some sheep manure on his shoes. You know, it's, it's really bad. Probably don't want him to come in here. They, he just hasn't cleaned up, you know. Maybe we could clean him up, maybe, yeah, and bring him out. But he's like, go get him, and we're not going to sit down till he gets here. In other words, he says the posture of waiting for the king is to be ready and standing. He said, don't sit down in your faith. Don't sit down in your purpose. Don't sit down in your prayer life while you're waiting for the king to come. 
How many know Jesus is coming back and he's the king of kings and lord of lords? He's the greatest of all and he's coming back to get his church and to scoop us out of the earth and take us home to be with him. And I will not sit down on my purpose. I will not sit down in my prayer life and I will not sit down in my pursuit of the things of God while we're waiting on the king to come. I will occupy till he comes. And so in my pursuit... I'm so grateful that I understand the story because sometimes I feel like David out with the sheep and I didn't get invited to the party. Anybody feel like you were ever left out wondering how God's going to work this out? Well, if you get left out, he works it out. That works. That's, just remember that prayer gets you there. It's my favorite saying. I feel like I made it up, but if I didn't, Lord knows. Prayer gets you there. Prayer will get you there every time. Prayer will get you an invite to the party you were locked out of. That's a good word right there. Prayer will open an opportunity that was formerly closed to you. Prayer can open doors and you can literally see God do things that you didn't know you could do if you just would just worship God regardless. Whether the door's open right now or closed, just worship God regardless. Because God said, I, I, I need a new king. Saul is not doing good. He's messing up. He's offering uh, burnt offerings and doing things he's not supposed to do. He forgot that he's not a king and a priest. He's just a king. And so he's taking advantage of some things he shouldn't be taking advantage. And I've removed my hand from him. And now I'm going to look for a king. And when I go to look for a king, I can't help but turn my eyes to a little boy named David who has a heart after God. Doesn't mean his heart is like God. It means his heart is in pursuit pursuit of God. And that's what I'm after right now. This point is you need to be in pursuit of God and everything in your life. Doesn't mean you have to be perfect. No, I'm not perfect, but I'm in pursuit of God's perfect plan for my life. No, I don't get it right every single week, but I am after the healer of my life. I'm after the hope in my life. I'm after the wisdom he brings to my life. I'm in pursuit of it even if I fall short. Falling short is not a problem if you're still falling forward. If you're still pursuing God, I used to mountain run. I know you can't tell it right now because I do eat well. But I used to run mountain marathons. I, my last marathon, you guys, some of you know this, that are friends of mine, was six and a half hours over two peaks. And you have to run up one, run down the other, and run up the other, and then run down and run back over the one you ran up the first time and then back down that. That's called, you know, Hades. That's what that is. Because you're running up the backside of the last mountain going, I paid for this? Why did I sign up for this? What is wrong with me? What's wrong in here? I, I, I mean, I get running a race, like a 5K with your friends. It's a good time. Throw in some color. Anybody ever do that? No? It used to happen. That used to be a fad. But now I'm going to throw a mountain or two in the middle. Let's do a marathon. Oh, and add a mountain. That's a good idea. It was never a good idea, but it was still fun. But while I was doing it, I was understanding that I had to be all in. I had to pursue constantly. And I, I, want, I want to just stop for a second and just say that whenever you commit to something, whenever you walk through a door, you may not be perfect at it. You may not be the best at it. I didn't even know how to run a marathon. I literally didn't even know what I'm doing. I just My youth pastor was good at it. He was an adrenaline junkie in Alaska. And I was like, I want to be like that. I want to go have some fun. 
but whenever I noticed that I had committed to it, that I had to pursue it, I had to prepare myself for it, I had to get ready for it. And so what I'm asking you to do today is not just say that I have a purpose and not just say that, yeah, I have a prayer life, but I want you to know that even in those moments when you have a purpose that's, that's pulsing in your life and you have a prayer life that you're living out, you will still have days where you don't feel like pursuing God. You will still have days where you struggle and you have difficulty and it's just not working, it's not firing. There's going to be days when you come on a Sunday and you're like, I got to praise, I just feel, you know, and, and someone gets on the, the keyboard and turns it into Hammond B3 and everybody's like, yeah. You know, somebody gets excited and you want to go there and you got your praise on and you're walking through the day and you're excited about life and things are going right, but there's going to be some cloudy days. And you have to learn how to stay in the storm long enough to see God deliver you, long enough to see the door of deliverance open. And that's where I'm going, is your decision literally makes possible your pursuits. That if you decide to pursue something, you have to lock down that choice because your choices are what, you, what caused your destinations. Literally every single choice is important. There is no small decision. There's no big decisions and little decisions because we find out that even the little decisions affect your overall destiny. And so when you choose to do something for God, you have to make all kinds of micro choices that keep you in that one large decision. I choose to be in purpose every single day, which means I will get up and I will bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Not because I feel like it, but because when I set my mind on the Lord, he makes new things come to pass. He makes power available. He makes open doors and opportunities available. And I might miss them if I'm not celebrating him. And I also pray because prayer changes me, because I want to be called. Scripture says many are called, but few are chosen. What's the difference between being called? Do you feel like you're called in this room? I think everybody should put their hand up because you're ordained and called of God to do something. You are. You absolutely are. And I'm not looking you in the eyes just to point you out, but I believe you're called of God. And I believe he's been working on you a long time. I believe he's been bringing you a long way, David. I believe that you came from a place where you didn't know. And, and so David, this week, as I'm reading, he's sitting down in a brand new house. He's built a house in Jerusalem. And he's brought in the cedars. And he's brought in all the supplies. And he's built a beautiful house. And he sits down. And he's done building his house. And his enemies are, 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 all, are all conquered. And he has peace in the land. And, and the land is all back together under one king. And that's King David. And he sits down and he's like, how can I sit here at rest whenever God is in a tent? Whenever the ark of God is in a tent, how can I sit in a house built of cedars when God has no home? He's traveled with us through the desert. He's traveled with us through places as the people of Israel, but he never had a place built for him. And Nathan says, do all that's in your heart, David. He said, I'm going to build God a house. I'm going to make a decision that's going to affect the destiny of a people. And the Bible says that the Lord came to Nathan that night, that David made the decision to build God's a house, God a house because he didn't want to sit in his own house and not have a place for God. 
And when Nathan went to bed that night, the angel of the Lord came to Nathan and said, tell David to do all that he wants to do, to build the Lord a house, to prepare it, and I will have his son build it. And literally, the decision for David to do it proceeded the permission from God to do it. It's one of the only places you find it in Scripture where God took the decision of a man who had a heart toward God and said, if I have a home, I'm going to make God a home for me. I'm going to make God a place with us. And the Bible, through the angel of the Lord, says that David not only established a place for the Lord, but the angel told Nathan that I'm going to choose this people and I'm going to establish my place with them and I'm going to build, he's going to build a tabernacle and I'm going to set my people there and to this day, Zion and Jerusalem are, is still the place of the people of God. And it became known and became possible in the pursuit of building God a place because David sat down and went, I have all this, but I haven't built one for God. And if we keep that heart, that heart that says, thank you, God, for my blessings, but I can't stop until I feel I've returned blessing to you. I can't stop till I've made a place for you in my heart because we don't build buildings for God anymore. We build ourselves to be a tabernacle where he dwells. We are the temple of the Most High. So when you're building yourself, be on pursuit, be on purpose, and have prayer and say, God, I'm not going to sit down and just enjoy the blessings and the cedars and the built place of blessing, but I am going to build a house for God in myself. I'm going to walk full of the Spirit. I'm going to walk full of faith. I'm going to walk full of anointing. Why? Because that is how we build God a house. We decide, and that decision opens the doorway of God to fill our life with His Spirit. And when you live full of God's Spirit, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like standing in a, standing in a grocery aisle and God saying, help that person pay for their bill. Of course, I resist that in Jesus' name. No. Because I'd like to, you know, pay for my grocery bill. But sometimes God tells you to do things that are uncomfortable, and if you live full of his presence, he'll give you the strength to do it. Amen, somebody. Amen. So we need a door open of what? Purpose. We need a door open of prayer in our life, and we need a door open of pursuit. Everything you do, you have to make the decision first. Because when you decide to pursue God, and you decide to have a prayer life, and you decide to live on purpose in your life, every other decision is easy. And literally, you don't have to worry about, I, I might lie, I might do this, I might do that, because you literally have to live on the things you've already decided. I choose Jesus. Joshua said, choose you this day who you're going to serve. Stand with me. Choose, who, choose you this day who you're going to serve. And then he turns and says, but as for me, and my house. He said, you, you choose. But when you choose, understand that your decision is a doorway for your entire family, for everybody around you. 
They're just going to put post-it notes out. And we have to make a decision today. We have to choose to serve the Lord with all of our life. And there's not something that I could give you that would be your particular struggle today. But I can ask you, is there something that you need to give to the Lord? Is there something that you need in prayer to give to God? And is there a door that you need to have open? Maybe you need your purpose to be more refined. Maybe you need God to help you in your pursuit. Maybe you need to pursue him not only to be saved, but pursue wisdom and understanding and instruction. Maybe you need more help at, on your job. Maybe you're doing good, but you, you can feel that I need to go to the next level. It's time for me to go to the next level. It's not just an earnings thing. It's your potential. You have to meet that. That's a goal. There's something going on. You need to pursue it, but you need to go with God. And then maybe you need a better prayer life. That's maybe, maybe where you're at right now. I can only tell you where I am, and that is that I want to see God do great things. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And the Bible also said that he counted faith unto them as righteousness. And so I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm not asking you to be the most righteous person in the room. But I'm asking you, do you have faith? Because God will count faith to you for righteousness and that righteousness will move and open a door. Do you believe that God can help you? Do you believe that he can change your tomorrow while you're standing here today writing it on a post-it note? Do you have enough faith to believe that his word is still true and it's forever settled in heaven? And if you just reach up and say, God in faith, I pull down an open door. I pull down a new place. I pull down a new opportunity for me. I want to do that in Jesus' name today. They're going to make this place a prayer room. Would you bow your heads with me, Jesus? I can't choose for anybody in this room, but there's a decision that's going to open a doorway right now. And there's someone in this place that desperately needs to walk through it. Let us not be afraid. I bind any fear right now in the name of Jesus. When you walk into a room, Jesus, you always bound fear in anyone that was afraid. So I bind any fear and I release faith right now because we need it for this next moment. We need it for this moment in you. Would you help us put down that college degree and go after it? Would you help us put down that earning goal and go after it? Would you help us put down that family member that's not living for the Lord? Would you help us put down someone that's far from God and go after it? Would you help us run the race set before us? Would you let us have purpose and prayer in our life? Would you strengthen us so that we can pursue you, God, with a heart after you like David had? Someone in this room has been thinking the entire sermon, what would I write down? If given the opportunity right now in eternity to look back and see this moment, Lord God, would you give them what they would write down on this piece of paper and put on the door as a talisman and as a token that they're going to pursue it. They're going after you and you're going to open that door. Would you come and would you find a piece of paper and would you write on that paper? You can take it back to your seat if you need to, but come and take one and, and write down what you want God to hear from you. And he's going to answer and he's going to open a door. You're, you're writing down a decision that you need to make, a decision that you need to make right now and God's going to open a doorway because this moment is doors of decision. We're going to change our futures. We're going to change family members' outcomes. We're going to change the health of somebody. We're going to do right now what only God can do, but we're going to make the decision 
and then God's going to bless it. Let's pray over those as we do it, and we'll take a minute at the end of service to put them on the door as a way of saying, God, only you can open the door, but when you open it, no one's going to shut it. Come on, let's pray together. Let's seek the Lord. Let's write our decision together. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom to write down what you need. In Jesus' name.